I'm Claire Sands, one of the co-hosts of the Silent Why podcast. Welcome to this week's My Why, the audio version of my weekly blog on thesilentwhy.com. And as it's the first week of the month, I'm continuing my To Everything There Is A Season series with the month of July. The season of July. Well folks, it's July. The longest day is behind us. It's raining and grey again in the UK as I write this. The school holidays are about to start. Never great for those of us recording podcasts and seeking silence. And we're almost officially closer to next Christmas than last Christmas. Technically, the halfway point of the year is around 1pm on the 2nd of July, apparently. Sounds like all bad news, doesn't it? But fear not, there are good things on the horizon in July. For instance, Independence Days. Plural, because it's not just the US that celebrates Independence Day in July. So do Burundi, Rwanda, Algeria, Cape Verde, Venezuela... Solomon Islands, Argentina, Bahamas, Slovakia, Laos, Colombia, Liberia, Maldives, Puerto Rico, Peru, Belarus, Malawi, the Netherlands, South Sudan and Somalia, just to name a few. It's also the month for the star sign Cancer, one of the star signs that is also a tropic. And yes, I had to look up what a tropic was. According to National Geographic, the tropics are regions of the Earth that lie roughly in the middle of the globe the tropics between the latitude lines of the Tropic of Cancer and the Tropic of Capricorn. There are only two star signs that have tropics associated with them. Cancer, which is also called the Northern Tropic, meaning it is the most northerly circle of latitude at which the sun can be directly overhead, and Capricorn, where the most southerly position is. For us in the Northern Hemisphere, the Tropic of Cancer occurs on the June solstice, when the Northern Hemisphere is tilted toward the sun to its maximum extent. So July is on average the hottest month in the Northern Hemisphere, and therefore the coldest in the Southern Hemisphere. And interestingly, did you know the word cancer actually comes from the Latin word for crab? Every day is a school day. Anyway, why this interest in the cancer star sign? Well, there's four birthdays in our families in July, including mine. Which I've just learnt falls on the same day that Argentina and South Sudan are celebrating independence. And this year, it places me officially in my 40s and not just 40 anymore. So, 41. Life's been spun or just begun? I don't know yet. I suspect it's different for everybody. While some of you will be watching 41 nervously on the horizon, others will be looking at it in the rearview mirror. Maybe with relief or regret. So overall, July, whatever is going on with the weather, the politics, the climate, is largely a happy month for me. It's associated with my birthday, not that I throw huge parties, but equally, it's never been something I dread. As the saying goes, at age 20, you worry about what others think about you. At 40, you don't care what others think about you. And at 60, you realise that no one was thinking about you anyway. Now, I'm not in a hurry to get to 60, but I am starting to understand and see the freedom that comes with getting older and accepting who you are. I'm not quite there yet, but I am recognising how much harder it's becoming to put myself in the shoes of a 20-year-old and remember just how devastatingly life-destroying even one bad haircut could be. In fact, I've recently realised I now care less about how you think I look and more about how I feel I look. I'm also noticing life, opinions and facts are way more complicated than you realise at 21, and even at 31. So July is always reflective for me, as I think everyone's birthday month is, and that's healthy. Life will always move you on, and birthdays are a reminder of that. Every day, hour, minute and second is ticking us forward, and we have no control over it. Millions of people lived before we arrived for our allotted slot on Earth. Many will come after. They came, they went, and no one knows how long we get to stay when we arrive. So every birthday we have is a sign of life. 
that we are still here, a blessing of another day with air in our lungs. However, when we're gone, birthdays are also a reminder that we were here for those that are remembering us. Whether we arrived and only survived a few weeks after conception, or whether we lived a hundred years, Hopefully, if we are blessed enough to be loved, we are remembered because we existed. I think one of the saddest things on earth is a life not remembered, not named, not mourned, a half-empty funeral, or no funeral at all. I'm grateful that's not been my life so far, and I hope when I'm gone there will be those to remember me. But, I have to say, when you don't have children and a family legacy in that way, sometimes you do wonder what that will look like. I suspect all our years are littered with birthdays of those still with us and those not here. They are an inescapable part of living in a family or community or loving another human. In our family, for those we need to remember, we have at least one birthday every month of the year, except November. We've all managed to escape that dark month. But then there are birthday dates that pass of people who are no longer on this planet that I loved or admired, and I think back to the times when they would have been here. And, not to boast, but I do share the same birthday as Tom Hanks. When I went in search of what people had to say about July in general, in quotes and poems, I found an obvious theme. In Months of the Year by Catherine Pulsifer, she says, July, the summer, is finally here. The skies are blue and oh so clear. In the poem Beautiful Things, it says, Pretty red cherries and bright little flies, twinkling and turning the fields into skies, will come in July. And in each month... It says, in July, brightly shines the sun. Martin Luther King Jr. said, There comes a time when people get tired of being pushed out of the glittering sunlight of life's July and left standing amid the piercing chill of an alpine November. And Bob Weir, the musician, said, I have always had a certain aversion to heat. And for me, the name of the game on the stage is Beat the Heat. It's always July under the lights. You guessed it. The theme is hot weather. In poems about every month of the year, the July verse is a pinnacle of weather. People are talking about it, comparing it and basking in it. And this told me two things. Firstly, most of the quotes were clearly penned by people in the Northern Hemisphere. So let's not forget our friends in the South and their winter. And secondly, July is held up as some sort of high point in the year. Like the climb out of winter and through spring has finally landed us into summer. If January and February are the valley... Then March, April, May, June are the climb and July is the peak. July is like reaching the peak of a mountain. As far as weather goes for the UK, it's a mountaintop experience. It's the moment when you peek your head over the final ridge and realise you've reached the summit. No more climbing. The summit is summer. Summer is here, she says looking out at the rain. I suspect we'd all like to think we were on the verge of a mountaintop experience. It's something, if we're honest, most of us hope to experience at least once in our life. It looks great up there. Sunny, fantastic view, feeling fulfilled, or your dreams realised. Maybe some snow, no chores or responsibilities, people looking up at you in awe. What's not to want? And we see people enjoying it every day on our televisions, or pretending to on social media. But, before we get too dreamy about how amazing it would be and start packing our bags to leave now, there's a few reasons that the mountaintop experience might not be all you think it's cracked up to be. Number one, you're high up. Seems pretty obvious, but you know the thing about being high or being on a pedestal? The view's great? Well, yes, but there's more to it than that. What goes up must come down. We can't sustain life up there. It's literally not possible to live at the top of a high mountain. So while the mountaintop is great, while you're up there, 
Ultimately, at some point, you have to come down again. Mountaintop experiences are to be enjoyed and relished in, but they're not to be lived in. Don't set up camp there. You can't survive. And you can't help anyone else from up there either. And ultimately, you kill the mountaintop experience that you were after in the first place. Nesta Jojo Erskine said, To be able to enjoy the pleasure of a descend from a mountaintop, something should take you to the top of the mountain in the first place. Number two. It won't be perfect. You will have an idea in your head of what the mountaintop experience looks like for you. It might be something you've never even shared with anyone else. For some, it's just reaching peak health. For others, it's a million followers on Instagram and an Audi R8 on the driveway. For some, it's their charity being financially stable. For others, it's not having to work two jobs. Or maybe being an international best-selling author. And from down here, the view up there looks pretty good. Because you only see the success, reaching the top of the mountain. But you can't see how long it took. Or the blisters inside the shoes. Or the knee that won't straighten out anymore. Or the back that's aching. Or the dried tears on the cheeks. And the pain of grief that's still inside the heart. And these expectations can actually be what damages the experience, or even worse, makes it completely unobtainable for you. As the old saying goes, no pain, no gain. The fact is, you never really reached the highest point anyway. Man wanted to climb Everest, he did it. Man wanted to land on the moon, he did it. Man now wants to live in space. Enjoy whatever level you get to, without focusing on the fact that there will always be others that go higher. There's always someone that goes further. Mehmet Murat Ilden said, If the mountain despises the valley, the valley reminds him of the clouds and the moon. Number three, you won't be alone. When you get to the top, it might not be the quiet solitude or party that you expected, because you don't get to choose who's there with you. It's not an isolated experience. On the mountaintop, you'll meet some people that will be loving it. They'll be on their own high and happy for you too. Some people will have worked hard to get there and will be quietly grateful, helping others up over the edge to share the experience maybe. Some people won't even realise they've reached it or they'll be passing through on their way to a higher peak. Some will abuse it, arriving with a sense of power and entitlement. Some won't reach it by their own merit, using others' resources along the way or treading on other people to advance. Some barely arrive, desperately in need of a rest, their journey long, hard, lonely and frustrating. Some people don't make it at all because this journey wasn't theirs to finish. National Geographic describes the summit of Mount Everest like this. There's room for a half dozen or so climbers to stand and enjoy the view, although on busy days mountaineers must take turns to truly stand on top of the world. Hardly the moment you might have expected after months of training and thousands of pounds spent. Number four. You're on a mountain. The conditions are harsh. The mountain has enabled you to have this high moment, but mountains aren't exactly known for their deep empathy or sensitive encouragements for those that climb them or try to live on them. The mountain doesn't care how far you get or how you get there or what you do with it. It was there long before you were conceived and it will be there long after you're gone. Your claim of conquering the mountain and not a dent on its ego. Sir Edmund Hillary, one of the first climbers to reach Mount Everest summit said, It is not the mountain we conquer, but ourselves. It's not actually about the mountain at all. The aim is not the top of the mountain. It's the experience you have when you feel like you have arrived at where you want to be. And believe it or not, that could be achieved for some halfway up or even in the valley. Now any of you with a competitive streak will be yelling, No! That can't be true! How on earth can you climb a mountain, not get to the top, and feel the same way as those that do? 
Well, the summit isn't everyone's goal. For some people, attempting the climb was all they needed for their high moment. For others, going around the mountain was just as satisfying for them. It's just a different route. You all get to the same place eventually, and how you feel inside on the other side of the mountain is the important bit. The mountain climb is optional. You might argue more rewarding, but it's still something some people will never get to do, and that doesn't exclude them from the same feeling of satisfaction and achievement when you all gather on the other side in the valley again. Some might even say to achieve that satisfaction without the mountaintop experience is even more impressive. Number five, it's not the valley. You might say, exactly, that's the point. I don't want to be in the valley. Which is fair enough. But look around the valley. It's where the life is. The water, the food, the shelter, the wildlife, the better temperatures, the people, your community, support. Winston Churchill said mountaintops inspire leaders, but valleys mature them. It's the valley that trains you for the mountaintop. What if we didn't see it as somewhere to escape from, but somewhere to escape to? And let's not forget Craig Lounsborough. He said, We can only climb the mountains because there's a valley that makes the mountain a mountain. Again, my mate Mehmet said, Mostly the restless people of the valleys climb the tough peaks of the mountains. The rest, the peaceful ones, always stay in the valleys. Adventure is the invention of restless minds. So just remember when you're dreaming of having your mountaintop moment. You're high up. It won't be perfect. You won't be alone. You're on a mountain and it's not the valley. We all need a mountaintop experience every now and then, whether we slogged our way up there or drove up to the top for the view. But we also need the more normal day-to-day in between. Mountaintop experiences take a lot of work. No one gets dropped onto the top of a mountain. They're exhausting, all-consuming and not sustainable. J.R.R. Tolkien in Lord of the Rings said, He loved mountains. Or he had loved the thought of them marching on the edge of stories brought from far away. But now he was borne down by the insupportable weight of Middle Earth, he longed to shut out the immensity in a quiet room by the fire. On the Silent White podcast, we chat to people going through loss and grief, and I think they'd all agree that a lot of this is done in the valleys. These are not mountaintop experiences, but they'd also say this is where they have done most of their learning, where they have experienced the most emotion, growth and depth. And as they rise from it, the joy and hope that can follow has only followed because of the experience in the valley. To never be in the valley is to not experience the sustenance, comfort and nourishment that life has for us. So although we might have gone through the valley of winter and a damp spring to reach the peak of July, let's not forget what we learn while we're here. So we can descend again into the valley, better for it, richer for it, content that the valley is the place that equips us for the mountain peak. Don't forget, there will always be more peaks in the future. Do you know how National Geographic describes the summit of Mount Everest in the first part of the quote that I used earlier? It says this. The actual summit of the mountain is a small dome of snow, about the size of a dining room table. A small dome of snow. If ever there was a description that was disappointing, it is this one. My parting words, enjoy July. Enjoy the mountaintop of weather in the Northern Hemisphere. Enjoy the depths of the valley in the Southern Hemisphere. You won't stay in either place forever, so enjoy where you are for as long as you're able. After all, we may get to experience joy and happiness on the mountaintop, but we get to truly appreciate it in the valley. I'll finish with the words of George Mallory from his book, Climbing Everest. People ask me, what is the use of climbing Mount Everest? And my answer must at once be, 
it is of no use. There is not the slightest prospect of any gain whatsoever. Oh, we may learn a little about the behaviour of the human body at high altitudes, and possibly medical men may turn our observation into some account for the purposes of aviation, but otherwise nothing will come of it. We shall not bring back a single bit of gold or silver, not a gem, nor any coal or iron. If you cannot understand that there is something in man which responds to the challenge of this mountain and goes out to meet it, that the struggle is the struggle of life itself, upward and forever upward, then you won't see why we go. What we get from this adventure is just sheer joy. And joy is, after all, the end of life. We do not live to eat and make money. We eat and make money to be able to live. And this is what life means and what life is for. Music